There is a place where fears and fantasies get weighed with substance alone. Legends and lores are examined in fresh light. Conspiracy theory meets conspiracy fact. Abandon your defenses. Embrace the possibilities. Step beyond the threshold into other realms. You're listening to Threshold Radio. I'm Anthony K. With me is Sam Moranto and John Stevenson. On today's show, we have a witness that has never come forward until now on the 2004 Tinley Park sighting. Uh, she's going to tell us what she saw. Also, we have a very intense UFO witness. Mark, he's going to tell us what he saw and the return of Sean from the Northwest Woods of Wisconsin. All that and much more on today's show. You're listening to Threshold Radio. We're going to start off right away with Sean from the Northwest Woods, Wisconsin, when we return. TheEdgeOnAir.com and Thresholds into Other Realms present Thresholds Radio, a weekly show dedicated to all things paranormal. Join your hosts Sam Moranto, John Stevenson, and Anthony Kopp Fridays from 10 to 11 p.m. for an expedition beyond your most unexplainable dreams. With new guests every week, Thresholds Radio will bend your views on reality. That's Friday nights 10 to 11 on TheEdgeOnAir.com. For more info on Thresholds Radio, visit ufo info you're listening to Threshold Radio. I'm Anthony K. With me is Sam Moranto and John Stevenson. Right now, we have Sean from the Northwest Woods, Wisconsin, on the phone with us. Well, um, I was laying on, on the couch, kind of napping, and my wife was laying on the floor on, a, on one of her little roll-off pads. And uh, anyway, she's watching TV, and she noticed something. She thought it was, a, um, I guess it was the size of a golf ball. And I was telling you it was like close to a baseball size. I guess it was more like a golf ball. And uh, she thought it was one of them, like a white butterfly or a moth or something flying because it caught her anyway, it caught her eye. And it did it again over by, came out of the kitchen area and over, went over into the entry. And uh, she said it looked like a, like I said, a white opaque golf ball of white. And uh, kind of hung out in the entry for a little bit. She kind of lost sight of it. Yeah. She didn't want to get too excited and move around. She just laid there and paid no kind of like she was paying no attention. Well, then it came out of the entry area, and I guess it did this uh, a few times. She said it was like you know half an hour to an hour of this thing kind of floating around in the house. And uh, anyway, it came out of the entry, went around behind her, and went then went into our bedroom and was in there for a minute or two, and then it came out of the bedroom. And it landed on her cheek. And she said she could feel it, like a like a tingling sensation, whatever. But you know, or like maybe somebody tickling you with a feather. So you're, yeah. tick, you're using the feather, and the others using the chicken. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean it. And then she said it just kind of lifted off her cheek, kind of floated off a little bit, and then just disappeared. That's weird. My gosh. 
Well, I mentioned to you that that guy Rico out in um, uh, Las Vegas, and I don't know if I told John about this. Uh, he called me up again. You know, he had that ball of light, that orb that came through the wall, and he's seen this thing multiple times. But he touched it, now mind you, versus this scenario is it touched her. Right. And it may have felt that, I don't know, maybe it felt like it, like Rico was trying to hurt it or something, but the end result is he had that burn on his finger. I have a picture of it. They had to, he had to go to the hospital. They drained it and it turned all black. And this has been months now. Heck, I think that was April or something. And huh. uh, now they're talking about possibly having to sever his finger off. It came through the, it came through the room into his room again, and he moved. He says, "Sam, this thing's following me. I'm moving, and different, you know, out of the um, the area he was at. He moved, and it followed him. And he doesn't know why. But this, he's had multiple experiences with anomalous orbs, UFOs, even entities." Now here, this, this is a similar scenario with you guys, where you've had so many unusual phenomena that you've encountered, but I think this is the first time that she's had one of these orbs actually touch her, whereas you've seen them around the house, correct? Yes, uh, well, I've seen them numerous times, and one particular day I was, she went off to work, and she leaves at like oh, 5.30 in the morning, so I, I get up with her and then I go back to bed after she leaves. And uh, I went in our bedroom and just laid down and everything was nice and quiet. And I was just starting to doze off. And for some reason, something said to look. I, you know, I guess I had that feeling like something was watching me or whatever, but I was facing the window in our room. And uh, up on the corner of the window, now this one was about the size of a baseball, just this intense white orb just, you know, I mean, lit up the whole room. And uh, I opened my eyes, saw it, and it was there maybe three seconds, and then choo, it was gone. Remember the time you went outside, you looked in the house, and there was a pillar of uh, orbs or something? Um, yeah, that was... A pillar of orbs. Really intense. Listen to that. An orb pillar. We, we, yeah. that's, that's when we first lived here in 2004. My buddy and I and, and the wife were standing outside the darkest side of our house. There's no lights over there the infamous towards the pond. And uh, there's a big picture window right there. We look through the picture window and in this little back area, it's not the same anymore. I remodeled the house, but uh, we had a ceiling fan in there and that ceiling fan was on it and had the typical four lights underneath it. And uh, underneath, the, the fan was running probably on medium. Under the lights, it looked like different colored marbles, like you know, one inch to inch and a half size marbles of different colors floating underneath the, the fan, and they were spinning around. It was, it was it was the freak kid. My buddy looked in the house. He's like, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> I don't know, man. That's the kind of stuff that goes on around here. You know, the freaky. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's and one more one more adventure into the freaky. Exactly. Now, things have been pretty uh, lame throughout the course of the year, but then again, you really haven't been looking for well, this. Well, I told him yet. to instigate, but he obviously <laughs> hasn't been doing it. <laughs> like I said before, I, I think when you when you pay attention to it, it pays attention to you. Well, there you go. Get yeah. that damn laser out. <laughs> All right, thank you very much, Sean. We'll be right back. You're listening to Threshold Radio.
TheEdgeOnAir.com and Thresholds into Other Realms present Thresholds Radio, a weekly show dedicated to all things paranormal. Join your hosts Sam Moranto, John Stevenson, and Anthony Cop Fridays from 10 to 11 p.m. for an expedition beyond your most unexplainable dreams. With new guests every week, Thresholds Radio will bend your views on reality. That's Friday nights 10 to 11 on TheEdgeOnAir.com. For more info on Thresholds Radio, visit ufo Info.com. Welcome back to Thresholds and Other Realms, and with us now is Mark. Mark had an experience up in, where was this? It was up in uh, northern Wisconsin, north central Wisconsin, uh, just outside of Rhinelander, Wisconsin. And that was uh, how many years ago? 17 years ago. Wow. 17 years ago in a month. That you wouldn't a forget. A month and a day, I believe. And you were up there doing years, some work? a day. I, I was I had, um, I was in the process of changing jobs, um, and a friend of mine said he had a friend that needed an, uh, another carpenter on a job up in Wisconsin. So I hooked up with this guy, and I and I went up to Wisconsin and uh, put this small addition on uh, a small cottage in the middle of nowhere, um, and it, it was uh, quite a nice um, experience to go up there. I had never been actually up in that before other than when I was a small child on a family vacation so um, it was you know the first time I was 29 years old and I, I felt that uh, I had missed something of the land and and it was it was interesting because um, I didn't know any of these guys and and we really didn't get along that well as, as the days went on this week so you were up there and with some strangers doing some work didn't like each other. <laughs> Luckily, nobody killed each other in the process. No, 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 no. It was nothing like that. It was more like just personality differences, you know. Um, these guys were, um, to be kind, were, were just straight-ahead working folks. And here I am, this guy with skills and, and talents, um, coming from a completely different angle of living. And uh, But we shared something in common. We shared the work. And, uh, you know, they needed the hands, and, and I I needed the money. And so it was a good situation for everybody um, just to get the job done. I'm picturing, I'm picturing like, one guy, he just jumped off a, a moving car on, a rail, on the railroad. He was a hobo. Another guy was a pirate. Another one came from an ash ramp. Yeah. And here you came from, you know, some suburb in, from Chicago. And, no, these uh, guys. These guys were all. These guys were all Chicago guys. I mean, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, they were. They were all four of them. Uh, the four guys I went up with. Um, um, they all knew each other real well. Um, that was what made me getting along with them that much harder because I was the outsider. I was the odd man out. Ah. Um, and it was only through a mutual friend that I even got included into this job. So, um, you know, I considered myself very lucky at the time. You know, because I was in the middle of a transition, and I was due to be married a few months later. And, um, you know, it was just one of those situations where some things just had to come into place to get me up to Lake Tomahawk, up in, uh, up to Southside Rhinelander, to have this experience. Now here, you're up there, you're working, and how many days into this uh, before this uh, strange event uh, a took solid place? week. So a you were up there a full week. And, a full uh, week, yeah. We left that Friday prior, and, and we worked like dogs every single day because we had a certain amount of work we needed to get done before the finishers could come up and get their end done. So 
you know, we went up there to a for the foundation, build the structure, and get out. And so, and it wasn't that big. It was probably like I'm not very sure correctly, twenty by twenty by fifteen at best, you know, addition. So it wasn't a huge job, but it was a lot of detail in order to get it done. Now. So, Paint a picture for us. Give us an idea of, say, for instance, the time of the day, the temperature, and the weather, etc. Well, it was northern Wisconsin, and it was the last day of June, so it was warm, but the nights did get cool. Um, I'm trying to think. It was accelerately clear. I mean, just uh, one of the clearer nights you'd want. Uh, as a matter of fact, that week, weather did not cooperate, and we were camping out on the site because it was a remote site. Um, we uh, didn't even have uh, facilities to go to the bathroom. The, the water was turned off. The power was turned off. We had to bring in generators. Um, um, we, it was just one of those crazy remote situations that once I got up there, I was almost regretting because it, the conditions made getting the work done that much harder. I can imagine. I'd go out of my mind. I'm, I'm one of these people that has to take two to three showers a day, and even when I'm on a camping trip, people get all ticked off because, what's Sam doing? You know, he's spending an hour preening himself. It's it's rough for me. Usually roughing it is like a best Westerner. So, you know, I am... Or a Winnebago. I'm somewhat of an extremophile in the way that, you know, I've gone backwoods, uh, backcountry, um, weeks on end. Uh, I, 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 you know, spent a little time hunting, uh, you know, an adventure seeker to a certain degree. Um, you know, I like pushing myself to, to a limit. So, you know, while it was stressful to get the job done, I, I certainly enjoyed uh, where I was at. So you, know? you actually um, fell into this without too much of a problem, just a matter of transition, and the company was just making yeah. it a little bit more difficult. Yeah, it was so the here you are. water. Yeah. So here you are. Was this during the day or during the evening? Um, the event took place at night. Okay. Now, at night, and what were you doing at that point? Well, see, the thing was, is we had a deadline because we wanted to get back to uh, Chicago for the 4th of July holiday, which was that following Tuesday. And so, you know, the plan was to get back and salvage enough of the weekend with the family and enjoy the 4th of July, 4th of July holiday. So, uh, you know, we really, that last day, that Friday, we really, we got up early, we worked, good 10 hours and tried to get all our tools and equipment backpacked up in our vehicle um, so in the morning, you know, we could take off. And so what had happened was that we made really great time that day and we got everything done in record time and we actually were done eating and back to, to the site. Um, we actually went out to dinner that evening, got back to the site, um, and the sun was just going down. And if my memory serves it correctly, that was around 9 o'clock at night. And we had picked up some beer um, because you know, we figured, you know, we didn't have much to worry about the next day as far as getting out. We could, you know, leisurely get up at it, you know, at, at our at our uh, own will and, um, and just get beyond our way, and our, you know, just haphazardly because we had that great luck that last day of just getting everything put together that we needed to get done. So with that, I just took a six-pack of beer and grabbed my lawn chair because, you know, I, I just didn't really care to hang out with these guys. I'd almost regretted, regretted not bringing up my guitar with me because I felt really uh, distant from these guys. I had nothing in common with them. So I took my lawn chair and the beer, and I, and I went down by the river, 
it happened in Wisconsin. I don't know how much time you guys spend up there or not, but, uh, you know, every river is a Wisconsin river, right? And so I just call it the Wisconsin River. And it was a body probably maybe two, three hundred feet wide. And um, it's actually quite a beautiful location. There was a small island in the middle of it that had an old dead tree. And at the top of that tree was a uh, red-tailed hawk nest, which really kept us transfixed all week, you know, just watching the hawk hunt on this little river. And uh, so that's where I went. That's where I set up my chair to sit and just drink this beer and, you know, think. And I believe I had my writing tablet with me. I was doing just a little bit of writing at the time. And um, so I was sitting there. So you go ask the next question because it's, 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 it's a good story. So here you are sitting out, kicking back with a beer, you're writing. And it's still light out, but it's probably near twilight. Hey, probably just. Just it's bearing down on the end of twilight. Um, okay. It's really that the sky. The sky has lost that 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 last bit of brightness. You can still see the glow of the sun off the far west horizon, but you you feel like no sunlight per se. Now, which direction were you facing, by the way? I was facing due east, pretty much. And I've got a very strong sense of direction, even to this even to this day. I, I can tell you, you know, it was due east I was facing. So here um, you are. You're sitting out there. You're facing Dewey's, and what happens? Well, I realized that the stars were starting to come out, and, and that's exactly why I, I wanted to sit out there, because almost every night that week there was some kind of rain or some kind of cloud cover, and, and this night, you know, uh, you know, it was perfect for me to stargaze. And it's, you know, it's one of my favorite things to do, just, you know, look at warm bodies and uh, just, you know, just enjoy the, the, the remote location for that effect. Um, you know, being in the city, you always get a city life, and you don't ever really get that experience. Um, city, city life. So being up there, there was no glow of the city. There was, you know, no ambient light, just just the moonlight. And so the stars start, started to come out, and I started, you know, really taking notice and really enjoying that aspect of it. And a couple beers didn't didn't hurt, I gotta say. But um, the first thing, you know, as I was scanning the sky and you know, just looking for familiar constellations, um, I noticed this star, or what seemed to be a star, way off my far right south um, on the southern horizon. And what what took my attention to the star was how it was um, fluctuating in colors uh, between red, blue, green, and yellow, um, or yellow-white, if you will. And... You know, I, I thought it could be really odd, so, I, you know, I called over to the, my boss, and I and I said, hey, you know, come over and take a look at this thing. And really, no sooner did he come over and take up a, a look, take a look, take, take a look at this thing up in the sky, um, that it took off. I mean, and it, it just arced in a northerly direction across the sky, and, and, and it was very far off. I mean, in my opinion, it was above the Earth's atmosphere, because... The way it took off was in an arcing, but, I mean, things don't fly in an arc. They fly in a straight line. You know what I'm saying? Well, but my impression depends. at the time was that, that, and that was my impression, that it was that it was outside the Earth's atmosphere and, and the straight line of its trajectory seemed to be like an arc. So well, I, let's, I, I let's use it, this. We're looking at the horizon. How many degrees above the horizon? Or for you to take your 
you're sitting down, you pick your arm up and you lift your finger pointing towards it. How many degrees are you, uh, what degree are you at, assuming that, you know? Three degrees, three degrees, no more than five in its original location, okay. its beginning location. But how many degrees off the horizon, above the horizon, was it originally? Yeah, three, three, three no more than five degrees. Okay. And then it shot off north, which would be to your left, and it shot off yep. like what of a span? If you were to take, put your right hand on where it was to where it moved with your left hand, how many inches did it move? It spanned half the horizon of the Earth in a matter of two seconds. Okay, now that's huge. Huge. Yeah. And then it changed direction as quick as all that. And it moved out directly out east from us. And, 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 you know, I mean, it's hard not to feel like the center of this as you're looking at it, like it's, like it's somehow um, centered on you as you're looking at it, you know, like a picture's eyes always follow you kind of a thing. But, I mean, literally, that was the sensation I had. Um, it, 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 it stopped, it changed directions directly in front of us and shot directly straight out and moved further out from us. Now, now, the size of this object at arm's length, index finger to thumb, approximately how big is it? Um, up in the Excuse size me. of an aspirin or smaller. Okay. Up in the sky. But yeah. very obvious, very discernible, obviously bigger than any pretty much everything up there except if the moon was up there. Well, yeah, and, and, that, and that's right. Um, it was. And that's why it caught my eye, because it was bigger than any of the other guys appearing at that point in the night sky. And um, that's what drew my attention to it originally. And, um, and, 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 and i got to say, it was no bigger in its final location where it took position than where I first originally noticed it. So, so it I had been about the same distance from you then. The other thing I was going to ask you is... When you were mentioning these colors and the illuminations, were they scintillating, diffused? How would you describe the these colors as far as... That's, that's a really good question. Um, I don't know how to answer that. I, I, I want to say that they were totally primary, but they weren't primary color. And, um, and, and they changed. And they changed in the location they were fixated at. I mean, these light sources, they, they were fixed on, on, on the UFO or whatever, you, or craft or whatever you want to call it, um, and not, not to be, you know, argumentative or anything. I mean, these lights were always in the same exact location on the craft, and, and, and those locations changed colors. It wasn't that they were oscillating or moving. Um, they were stationary lights on the craft, and they changed colors. Okay, so, so what? Let's just, let's red. make the assumption then. Give it any number: ten, twenty, five. Uh, that number one would go through a series of uh, a frequency of wavelength of color. Okay, is that correct? Though it would be orientated in the same location, or appear to be orientated on the same location. Um, the light source itself was yes, but okay. not 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 the colors. Yes. In other words, the only thing different would be the coloration, not the right. orientation exactly. of the placement exactly. or the location of the additional illumination right. uh, coming right. from it. Okay. Now... And I'm going to preempt your next question. 
um, it, 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 it showed, the light showed a shape of, of being oval or oblong. Okay. And um, not, not discernible to square or circle, um, but, but definitely, definitely round. Now, in addition to this object, what was it, the next thing that, that really took you by surprise? Well, I mean, within, 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 well, it was immediate. It was immediate that things started happening. No sooner did it take up its, its orbit or its stationary orbit in that, in that location as other craft started coming off from it and taking, taking position around the larger craft. And, and, and at first, it was, the first one was just an awe. We just stood there awed. And at that point, I know the guy, the boss, with me, uh, he, was, he was trying to reconcile it. I was trying to reconcile what we were looking at. And it, when we saw that ship break off from it, there was, I don't think there was any confusion for him what we were looking at. And, and I don't think there was any confusion for me what I was looking at. And at that point, we called the other guys over. And so initially it was the two of you, or was it just you and you called the other guy, or were the both of you? It was originally there? just me, and then when I saw it initially to the south, on the southern horizon, that's when I called the boss over and said, hey, you know, did that look, what does that look like to you? And then it moved, you know. And the both uh, of you and, witnessed the motion of it leaving? Yes, we both, we both did. Okay. Yes, 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 we both did. And um, as soon as you seen it, almost uh, instantaneously or in and around that, first looking at it when you were looking at it initially right were these other objects there also or or no. did they okay no no and, and let me stress this all the all the different objects we saw in conjunction with that ship or ufo or craft whatever you want to label it all right came from that ship and, and i i want to make that painfully clear that um, there was only a couple times when, well, we'll, we'll get we'll get to that later in the story because I mean, you, I know you have more questions, so I, I, I want to now looking. How many of these objects? Uh, let's say, okay, first of all, how many objects came from there, and were they coming out in intervals, or were they uh, pretty well spaced, or was there any sort of um, pattern or anything like that? To their to them well, coming out of or were they coming but, out but, of or were they detaching? What was the or was it a I, combination? I want to say they were. I want to say they were detaching. Okay. Okay. Because how they appeared to come off was actually from those fixated lights. Um, they would come off from the fixated lights as if the lights themselves on the main craft were these ships or UFOs or craft or whatever you want to label. I I don't want to get into making finite distinctions here of what right, I think it right, was. Right, right, right. Now, I you're just giving description of what you saw, and that's that's basically it, right. and that's the way to do it. So here you see... Why don't we disagree? I'll, I'll just call them UFOs. Yes, unidentified. <laughs> yeah, unidentified, uh, and right. you're feeling they're obviously objects. And are they yeah, moving yeah. Intellect, they're moving as if there's an intelligence behind them? Oh, there's no question about it, because they did everything one at a time. There was order to it. Um, one would move off, take its position. Another would move off, take its position. Um, and at one time, there was as many as uh, at least a half a dozen crafts up there, and five of which would have come off of it, and, and the main craft. And it's funny, 
because, you know, every now and then one of those paths would fly off somewhere around the globe, around the Earth. And, um, and this is what I was leading up to before. And then from a completely different direction, another craft would come in and, and join up with the craft. So, wow, from another, uh, another craft, not, not one that was detached from there, but from another point of origin. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know where it came from. I know one had left, mm-hmm. and then from a different direction, another one had come in and joined up with it. And I we're see. talking within a matter of, um, uh, I would say, about maybe less than ten minutes time. Now you had how many totally? Time. Now you, you had how detached. many totally that you seen detached? Approximately. I believe at any one given time there was anywhere from um, as, as few as two, and as many as five being detached. Being detached. Okay. How many at any one point were sitting around the main object? Um, I, I, I believe at one time I counted four or five. Um, but every time it was it was never it was never like there wasn't a, a solid stationary object. It was always one was moving and, and one wasn't. You understand what I'm saying? So these things would take a position and then one would go back to the ship. Or the UFO would come back to that again. Okay, um, here, now so let's let me assume see, let me, this. Let me see if I can clarify this. So they would be, they would have their own little orbits around the main ship, and every time one would move out and take an orbital position around the main ship, one would go back to the ship. Right? And would it do so, so in always, a straight line? Or would it appear to um, be a straight line? Well, I mean, that's really relative to the distance. I right. Mean, you know, I'm, I don't mean to be a smart aleck or anything like right. that. But uh, it did yeah. arc? Did it maneuver? Did it no, zigzag? No, I mean, it, it was straight path. It was straight path. Okay. It was straight path. Now, if you were to look at the central location, and again, you're saying that that central location appeared to be the shape of an ellipse or a, um, a oval or an elongated um, something like yeah. that, right? Like. Yeah. Something uh, like you take a circle and it, uh, and it, could it, it could have been disc shaped. It could have been cigar shaped. It could have been egg shaped. Uh, at that distance, that distinction wasn't really made. But the patterns of light definitely had an arc to it. So um, that's why I'm saying oblong or oval, because from my perspective, I could see that half of the shape. You follow what I'm saying? Now, when the lights returned. Did they return to the same point of origin? Or the illuminate when the detached illumination, the smaller one, did it re, did it attach to the same point of origin? Or did it appear to um, attach to the same point of origin? Yeah, I, yeah, and their orientations, I mean when they separated it and, and, and rejoined, were always in the same same locations uh, the effect light locations on, on the main craft, yeah. Now yeah. And, and when the ship and when, when they took off, um those lights were not on the main ship anymore. I see. Did you follow what I'm saying? Yes. The ship had its own lights, and in with those lights, it had ships that came off carrying those lights. So, I mean, you could see the light on the main craft, and when when they when, when the smaller craft detached from it, those lights were affixed to those smaller crafts. Hmm. And when they joined back up, I can't say, because, you know, I didn't map it, and I didn't draw it, and I didn't, you know, pay that exact uh, attention to it. Um, 
I would assume that they all had their, their place on, on, on this trap, that, you know, for um, uniformity, I guess. Did you, this wasn't the only thing that had happened. Now this is going on, and, and what else transpired after this? Or really interesting, you know, remember I told you I, I went out there with my tablet and, and a six-pack of beer, and I, I never got past that second beer, <laughs> right? And the whole while we were sitting out there, the next thing I realized, looking down at my watch, it was one thirty in the morning. Okay, and, and when was the... after nine. Nine, you and know, all of a sudden it's one thirty. One thirty in the morning. And we ne- and I personally never moved from the location. The other guys would come and go back to the, the campfire and, um, you know, um, drinking the beer and, and all that stuff. And, and I was really transfixed. And, and um, you know, I searched that writing tablet. I know I wrote some stuff that night down, um, but, but to this day I still can't find that tablet. Um, but nothing to hear there. Um, it was, it was weird because we were like junkies. I was like a junkie. I couldn't get enough. And, and, so, and I never really witnessed a, a span of time that wide go by so quickly. I mean, I've been in some horrific experiences where time seems to slow down. But this, I mean, this was amazing. And this, I'm not talking about lost time or abduction here. I'm just saying it was so awing that time just flew by. Okay, now you're watching the object in the sky the main object, how many times did it move while you... It never moved. So initially it was there, it moved, then it... it, it how many times from the point... In other words, tell me the, the progression. You first see it in the southern sky, correct? Right. Is it stationary at that point or is it in, mo- uh, or is it in, 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 in motion? On the southern horizon it was stationary. Okay, then it moves... And, and- then it, then it moves. Okay. Then now, it moves. it moves. Are you able to watch the progression of the motion? Yes. Now, did, I, mean, did, I, you, I understand your question correctly. Are you asking me, did I see it move? Did I see it fly across the, arc across the sky? Absolutely. Yeah, so when you're saying arc across the, the sky, give a better representation and explaining what you what what you would actually send it to, I'll I'll just throw this in. Did you see it move up then down in an arc? Did it come closer to you than for? Oh, like I said earlier, straight line, straight line trajectory. Okay. Straight line trajectory, um, and I believe, and I'm going to say it again. I mean, and, I, and, I, and everything I've studied and everything I've researched into this, um, you know. Things fly in a straight direction. I mean, and that's it. I mean, you, you can go one direction at a time, and it's always straight line. Okay, and anytime you see an arc of uh, 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 something of that nature, it, it's it's because of the influence of the Earth's atmosphere. So, and this is what I've learned. And I mean, we can debate that. We can you can you can school me on that if I've got it wrong. Um, I don't have a problem with that. But that's that's what I believe that it was just outside the Earth's atmosphere. And uh, what I was seeing is that straight line appeared as an arc, okay. and it moved off. It, 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 when it when it when it when it changed directions directly in front of us and moved further out, um, boy, man, you know, I thought long and hard about this. Um, it did appear larger to me in its stationary location. So, did it actually move out, or did it move forward toward us? It's a really good question, and it's, it's all about perspective at that point. 
Yes. Um, and, I, and I can't Especially answer that Especially with question. the the arc. Okay, you you had mentioned that from the point of origin to the next, you know, the next point, uh, did it appear to be about the same, smaller? Well, if it's further away, it's going to be smaller. Now, if it arced in almost like a boomerang and actually came closer to you or about the same distance, just at a different, uh, um, a different direction, then it would be the same. I, I, I can't answer that. I, I, I really, I, A, I don't That's have fine. the education no, it would be no. It's hard to do because you only have two points of reference, and that's right. and 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 then again, we don't have photos to analyze. Right. And so it's no. it's conjecture either way. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. You're listening to Threshold Radio. We'll be right back. TheEdgeOnAir.com and Thresholds into Other Realms present Thresholds Radio, a weekly show dedicated to all things paranormal. Join your hosts Sam Moranto, John Stevenson, and Anthony Kopp Fridays from 10 to 11 p.m. for an expedition beyond your most unexplainable dreams. With new guests every week, Thresholds Radio will bend your views on reality. That's Friday nights 10 to 11 on TheEdgeOnAir.com. For more info on Thresholds Radio, visit UFO-info. And we're back with Thresholds Radio, and Mark's given us an account from his experience back in, what was it, 1997, Mark? No, 1994. 1994. June 31st. In Rhinelander, Wisconsin. He's up there with a couple of folks, and... Um, Give us an idea of how dark it is, how many people are around other than you, how far away are you from the closest people, etc. I am with four other guys. Um, we're in, a, in an incredibly remote location. Um, there how far were from some town? neighbors. Oh, there's they, neighbors? Apart okay. from town, yeah. uh, a good 20 minutes from the nearest town. And as far as neighbors, how close are they? Um... I would say within one within a mile. Okay. So there were other there were other cottages along the road we were working on. Yes. And um, but they, they but they were closed for the for or they were nobody was in them or people there weren't people around. Let me just put it that way. I mean, literally the whole time up there when we were on that job site, we didn't see a living soul. Hmm. Now at this point, we'll get back to this. Now we're we're. We're looking at this object. It appears to be about the same th- same size in the sky, uh, mm-hmm. and and you're seeing other objects uh, radiate out. Are they uh, radiating above and below, or, or or are they on a central plane? In other words, are they coming out just say, for instance, um, um, detaching and going out so far around it in a straight line, around it, you know, completely around it. Uh, above. I would say they all took the same exact orbit around the ship. So they're making um, an orbit. They're actually maneuvering around. Well, no. I mean, I mean, when I say orbit, I mean a stationary orbit. Okay. Okay. Like a satellite, you know. Um, okay. They moved off from the ship and took a position. Okay. And then they and, came uh, back uh, in, or some of them came back in. Right. Okay. Well, now they all came and went. They all went went back and forth. Okay. 
Now, you observe this for how long, just this object? All night, over over eight hours. Over eight hours. And, 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 I, and this is, I'm gonna rush to the very end of the story. Even as we were getting our, our gear together and getting it packed up into the truck and the sun had risen, um, you could still see, um, even after the sun had risen in the sky, that same point of light in the sky. And let, let me, and, and I'm gonna stress this a few different times here because I think it's really important for all your listeners to understand. Stars don't do that. No. As the Earth turns, okay, the stars and their, and, and, and their formations all change in the night sky. Think, lights in the sky don't take a stationary place and stay there for 10 hours. No. Okay? They don't move it at the speed you were explaining as far as covering that whole That's right. Spanish so, I mean, if you're a young kid listening to this conversation yeah. going on, I want to make this really, and even if you're a novice to the understanding of what stars and, 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 and how heavenly bodies operate, they, they don't hold positions. They're constantly moving. Everything in the universe is constantly moving. Including right? satellites, except for Sam. Right. There's nothing, there's, yeah. I mean, nature pours a vacuum the same way it, it, it doesn't stay static. Everything is moving. So when you have something stationary that stays in the same location, I mean... No, that's odd. That, there's that, there's that something is, keeping it in place. It's either, you know... Keeping yes, keeping in place. If it's tethered... There first of all, if it's tethered... Yeah, you know, the whole notion, let's go with, with certain things at discount. Balloons, first of all, were, was this stationary? Was it rigid? Was it, was it uh, very affixed in the sky? Was it uh, was it uh, wobbly? Was there any motion to it? Give give us an idea. No. So it was very. I got I got the I got the perfect example for you. Okay. Walk up to your refrigerator, pull a magnet off, and throw the magnet back at the refrigerator, and that's exactly how it stayed up okay. in the sky. On that one spot, it did not move, and 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 every time, and it was easy to locate when you, when you pulled your eyes away from the sky, because all you had to do was a fixture gaze in the same exact location and it was there so now this wasn't the most alarming or interesting thing that transpired did it no. okay no no not, not by a long shot okay let's take a you let's know, go to the next interesting thing that happened uh, you're looking okay. at it it moves you're watching these these uh, satellite uh, uh, objects taking off and going back to it uh, they seem to have uh, a a shape of a triangle. Was there any right. color to the triangle? They all changed in unison with uh, with the larger ship. So as the larger ship like to change from yellow to green to red to blue, um, the smaller ships, as if they were communicating with it, would change in those same similar orders. And... Um, it, you know, being on the ground, looking at it for a minute, you would just say it was a random myth. But for the duration I was looking at it, it was there was nothing random or chaotic about it. It was very well organized. It was choreographed. There's no question in my mind about that. Um, through the lights, through the ship's movement, um, uh, there, there was a purpose. And, and I liken it to looking down at an anthill. Okay. And as you see the ants come and go from the anthill, each having their job um, and moving back and forth and, 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 you know, 
going, getting their food, bringing it back to the net, so to speak. This is this is an analogy. But so it's all purposeful conduct. What main colors did you see or, or were you able to discern? Or there was no one color that was more dominant than the other. Okay. They all had their moment, so to speak. They was all it had the full spectrum and variation, or were they solids? In other words, were they oh, the a, very tight, each, each, a very type of red? Or, okay. No. Mm-hmm. Each of fixed light changed colors, okay? Each fixed location where there was a light changed color. Now the intensity, were they, they maintaining a certain intensity, or is there a... A dimming and then intensifying uh, of the um, um, illumination or the luminescence. You know, I've thought about that too, and I and I've done some light research. And you know, I'm a guy who just loves to get an answer to a question. And um, what I learned was um, sometimes the Earth's atmosphere and things in the Earth's atmosphere can make a thing, make a star appear to be shifting in color, um, but it's more more or less the angle. Um, that you're looking at it through the Earth's atmosphere that, that, that has that effect. So I, I, I won't quantify that with an answer. Okay. Um, I'll just say that at times it appeared that, that there was some kind of, uh, if you will, glowing uh, or pulse pulsing of the light, individual light. But um, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say with pretty much 80% uh, surety that uh, those lights were constant at the same, at the same intensity. Now, what other sure. shapes did you see other than the triangular, were there any other shapes than the triangular? No, no. That the the, the, the main the main craft, like I said, oval or, or uh, oblong, um, perhaps even uh, egg shaped, but um, the smaller craft were all triangular. And when you're talking triangular, from what from what I experienced, were you were you thinking more along the line of an equilateral triangle um, or a isosceles or? I'm sorry. Was, that again? Were they equilateral triangles or isosceles or? Really hard. No, no, no. They, they were, they were, they were not. They were not. Um, they were not equal sided. Okay, at all. so they were, they were elongated. Okay, so yeah. Was, I mean, go back to my geometry okay. days. Now you're really making me come up with the right isosceles. Um, isosceles. Isosceles. Yeah, I got. Yeah, that would be right. Now, um, yeah. of those, and you're looking at this. You're now. This is going on. What? How is now? Obviously, the people watching this had to be also pretty interested. Well, I don't want to get into characters. No, but I, you know, just a people, quick but, summary. But, but I, I, I mean, I got, I got to say this. I mean, these guys I was with were, um, they were just your regular everyday Joes, and the day was done, and they, they, they had an idea about drinking, and <laughs> I, I, you know, um, I mean, I enjoyed they had I drinking enjoyed on their minds. <laughs> you know, they had drinking on their minds. Screw the UFOs, man! I want to get a, a good drunk. So this, is, <laughs> this was like a fireworks display for them, and for me, this was evidence. This was. This is something that you know, I spent my whole life looking up in the heavens for, um, not with a purpose, but with just desire, you know, to see if any of this was true for my own edification, you know, for my own... Now, the, my now own, let's get um, an idea of the atmosphere. You say it's perfectly clear out. You had weather, a little rough weather a couple of days before, but it's it's a clear sky, is it not? I mean, there wasn't, there wasn't a puff. Okay. There wasn't a whiff. There wasn't, I mean... It was it was the clearest night the whole week we were up there. Now you were seeing all sorts of constellations, perfectly clear sky, oh, yeah. no light pollution, etc. Now again, in reference to these smaller triangular ones coming off, they have to be 
pretty big compared to a regular star or a planet or anything. These things have to be pretty big in comparison. That's that's what made the whole thing so identifiable. Mm-hmm. You know, and I now mean, you're seeing actual actual uh, shape. Now, one of these. Yeah. Now, what was the animals? What was the reaction of animals? Were there any? That's a great question. You know, we're up in the wilderness, and and, and you know, I live in somewhat of a rural area. Not really anymore. I mean, they've really built it up around here. But we still have red-tailed hawk around us. We have. Uh, Song, uh, possum, wolf. Um, we have all manner of wildlife around right where I live now, which is outside of Chicago. Um, and up there, it was it was no different. I mean, like I said earlier, I mean, there was that red cow hawk that was nested up in that high tree in the, on that little island in that river that I was sitting on side. So, I mean, there was all manner of wildlife. And I will say this, in this beautiful, it was the quietest night there was nothing going on that way. And, you know, and, and of course, I'm searching my recollection, but those are all post-thoughts. What was going on around you? You know, I'm thinking to myself, you know, try to make the description and try to write it out and, and, and remember as much as I can. And, and I will say this, I don't remember a cricket noise. Amazing. I don't remember, I don't remember, um, you know, any rustling in the forest. I mean, uh, you always hear that stuff right. when you're out. No you know, howling of coyotes, no wolves, nothing, 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 nothing at all like that. Nothing. No, just no a few natural... intoxicated individuals. I was just in going to say that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> southern uh, Chicago. Yeah, I, I really don't want to characterize it. Um, <laughs> That's right. I, I, I just, um, it just wouldn't be fair. Me and these guys hooked up for this. Yeah, I see. I, and and said, it's taken me seventeen years to come to that conclusion. Yeah, I mean, and and. And I know it is a conclusion. It's not based on, on a lot of fact, but I mean, it took a lot of different situations to get me in that location for that experience with these four guys. Right. And um, you know, I, I well, here you I go. I don't believe in coincidence. No, it's 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 sort of interesting. Nothing happens by by accident. Um, now, let's say, for instance, the next most interesting thing that took you aback. What was it? Well, yeah, so we're, we're like, I realized now it's like one thirty, two o'clock in the morning, and um, one of one of the smaller triangles, uh, UFOs, um, went off in the southwest direction, like I told you. And and then within minutes, from the due north, another one came into play that wasn't there before, and no other craft flew off to the north. So either that one that flew off to the southwest made a big, huge circuit and came back around the other way, or another UFO from an earlier part of the evening was rejoining back up with the craft, with the main UFO, the larger UFO, and um, and 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 that amazed that I mean that this, so all those ideas were running through my head at the time and still do, you know, uh, the question of where did that new craft come from, and clearly. It, it, it behaved just like the other smaller craft behaved hmm. and, and joined up with the craft in the same exact way. It was also about that time that I noticed that now there were only maybe one or two smaller craft um, that were stationary around the major, uh, larger craft. So um, there was less activity, but this new activity had just happened. 
So uh, I was even more transfixed to see if other ships from other places were coming up. Okay. Then what happened? So let me, let me paint a little bit more graph of, of a picture. At any one given time, up until, until like one thirty in the morning, there were three, four, five stationary smaller triangular craft surrounding this larger craft. And at this point, a couple, a few of them had joined back up with the main craft, and then one took off in the southwest direction, leaving maybe one or two in, in orbit around the, the larger craft. And then a third one came from the north and joined up with the craft. So if you're looking up at the sky, I'm still seeing the main craft and two uh, uh, satellite craft from, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know the right terminology to put it, um, you know, holding holding their position around. So okay. there was now only three uh, fixed objects. Were there any other type of objects seen in the sky while this was going on? Meteor showers, anything else? You know, um, no, no, not that I recall. Um, I mean, planes, they may very well have been. My, my, no, no, I, I will say, I will say without a doubt, I kept waiting. I kept waiting for jets or black black helicopters <laughs> or something to come overhead. I mean, there are military um, um, uh, bases in, in in the general area, um, and I looked into that after the after the event. Um, and um, I, I, there was nothing really satisfactory. There was there was no craft that I saw. I kept expecting something, even just a commercial jetliner or something. But I think, I mean, we weren't by any major city, so I mean, jet airliners. There would have been um, a coast to coast flight or something like that that would have. You know, well, see, that's what I find odd. There's no high altitude coast to coast. Did you see any satellites? You should have seen satellites or something. You know, you got to remember, I mean... But then again, you're transfixed. Just look at yeah, it. Yeah, but you're transfixed on watching these objects. That's understandable. Yeah, well, well, that too, but also, I mean, I mean, I think I think when we're... we're um, our field of view is spoiled by living in the cities because we don't really get the full impact of what the night sky is without ambient light diffusing their view. Right. Okay? Um, when you get out in these rural, remote areas, we're talking about a darkness where, you know, you don't see your hand in front of your face at times. Oh, so, you know, <laughs> like walking into a basement <laughs> under a window. Very familiar with that. Dark. <laughs> and so that night sky and all the stars populate and move. And so when you have a fixed object that isn't moving right. against a sky that is, with filled with a millions of points of light, forget thousands of points of light. Yeah, millions points of light. Yeah, John and could relate. You're to fixated this. On, on, on that fixated point. Okay, I, I would say I, I was quite distracted. How close did one of these objects get to you? Well, that's that's what happened next. So you know, it, it was like two o'clock in the morning now, and and, and and the activity had slowed, but it didn't stop. And and I was up there, and I was I was I was still sitting in my lawn chair watching this location. I mean, I find it hard to believe that a guy like me, a hyper as I can be, sat there that long without moving. But that's exactly what I did. And it was about 2 o'clock in the morning when one of the lights on the, on the main craft came off and, and, and it appeared to come directly toward us in a straight line. So and you watched it, it from you watched them from the point in the sky at a distance and you seen it come in towards you. Okay. It came off the main craft 
it, 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 it pretty much came down through the Earth's atmosphere and disappeared below the tree line at some distance in front of us. Okay? So the next thing we see, because at this point I, I, I yelled to the guys because I was all by myself when that happened. I mean, they were there. They were 20 feet away from me, no more. I mean, they could have possibly seen it on their own from where they were sitting. But, and they were, and everybody was still up. They had beer vision. Um, <laughs> we're all, I mean, this is, this is an awing experience and nobody's, nobody's going to bet. You know, as long as this stuff's going on, we'll watch it. So this, this craft goes down behind the tree line and within a matter of minutes, we see it appear above the tree line still heading toward us. Okay. It's maybe above the tree line, you know, maybe two, three inches above when, when it comes back into view. But now it is the larger, much larger light, of course, and it is showing red, okay? And it is moving toward us over the tree line. And when it nears the river, it's now even just a few hundred feet above us, above, definitely above the tree height. So tree height there is maybe 150, 200 feet, maybe a little bit better. Let's just say 250. It, it couldn't have been any more than 500 to 700 feet, a thousand at the very most above Earth's surface. So we see this now coming, and literally, guys, you know, it, it had to know we were there. Why would it have taken that straight line right over our head? I mean, literally, right over my head. Hmm. I mean, it went, came from a very long distance to do that. Uh, at random, again, I'm going to say it again. I don't believe in coincidence. No, I don't think right? so either. And I'm not going to no. jump to a conclusion either. Right. But with everything I'd already seen, hmm. and and the purpose in everything I'd already seen, yeah. you know, um, this this was not an accident. This was not just you know happenstance. I mean, no. it, it didn't take a, a course that just happened to be right over our head. And and, and I'm, that's as far as I'm I'm going to go on that line of reason because after that it becomes very well here it is okay so you're sitting there and it's starting to come over the tree line right how big is it finger thumb to index finger or is it much bigger than that the size of a harrier jet at that same distance above your head and the harrier the harrier is the one that that hovers yes well you're seeing it come over this big object, obviously, and describe it. It's huge. It's huge. Uh, I mean, you can't even see the night sky as it flies over our head, and it, and it is slow. I mean, it, 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 and it's not making a sound. And um, I'd like to tell everybody that my hair was standing on end and I had goose pimples and all. None of that. None of that. But. There was a sensation about it. Um, you know, you put two people in a darkened room and don't make either one of them aware of where the other person is. And, and as they move around the room, one person can feel the other person near. That was that was what I'm going to liken it to. It was an energetic feeling. Um, uh, it was a, a very low frequency, if you will, uh, feeling. Um, it, it, it affected you down to your core. Um, it wasn't damaging. It wasn't. It wasn't uh, alarming. It wasn't destructive. It wasn't anything like that. It wasn't anything um, to be. Um, it wasn't anything that hurt. Okay, it was just what it was. 
right? So this thing is like over our head and it completely blocks out the night sky. Um, and I mean, all you could see are to the periphery of it, stars in the sky. Now, so it's okay, it's overhead and it's blocking mm -hmm. out the sky. So this thing has to be huge. It's huge. Well, and here it's right it about a hundred and uh, it's about a hundred foot long. That's all it is. Right. So, but it's that big right. or bigger. You know, I'm real good at judging distance. Mm -hmm. I would have to say at least that, if not bigger. Okay, it's not as big as like a 747 or anything like that. I'm just going to stick to the Harrier jet for now. I mean, I will search my recollection and I, and I will take Again, the other thing is reference. We're looking at it from a location instead of uh, multiple perspectives, so we can't tell height. Mm -hmm. We can just judge it. Right. In theory. You know, it's been quite a few I, years. I, I will say yeah. this much. Um, I would say I would say at, at a height of 600, 700 feet above my head, it canceled out at least... Well, here, take your... take your right hand of the night sky. Oh, God, this thing's massive, then. That's bigger than yeah, the Harrier huge. Jet. A Harrier Jet is... It flies overhead at 500 big. feet. That's the aircraft it's, carrier it's the Harrier it's Jet's big, on. It's, <laughs> it's, it's only a Damn. foot wide. Sam, yeah. Sam, and, it, and it's not making a noise. Oh, my God. Now, this thing's huge. It's absolutely huge, Mark, absolutely huge. That thing's bigger than a, than a freaking uh, uh, um, battleship. It's massive. Is this Star Wars Death well, Star? I don't know about that. <laughs> well, if it's at 500 feet, okay, let's say it's 500 feet away, and if right. it were to cover 70% of, you're looking up 70% of the sky, I'm putting my right. arm out at 75, which is 45 and 45, both arms, degrees. Yeah. And it's covering that much. And it's 500 yeah. feet away? Oh, you're talking yeah. something. It, it's huge. It's huge because it, it's the full length. Yeah. And then oh, it's, I, it's huge. I, I, I got I to I introduce this. It really has very little to do. Um, I just got to tell you right now, you guys, I'm blind in my left eye. Okay. Okay. So, so I don't I don't share peripheral vision. Okay. I straight line everything. Okay. Now they say people with, who are blind and when I have no depth perception, but my injury happened at such a young age that I developed a very keen sense of depth perception, uh, uh, just from um, a, a rationalization uh, technique uh, of knowing you know how far it is from here to there. As, as you know, from a tape measure, and then I remember and I catalog that distance in, in my memory. Okay, so when I say 500 feet, I, I, I literally mean 500 feet. When I say 750, I mean 750. All right, but now you're talking about your perspective being sighted with two eyes mm -hmm. as opposed to me being sighted with one. Right, the size so of that what object I'm is, at 500 right. feet would almost be about the same thing 500 feet. In other words, we're yeah. talking an object that's football field size or pretty close to I could it. see the whole not object. A, not okay. a not a excuse me not a um, uh, a battleship okay but something that could easily be three to six three I to six hundred I guess that's what I'm trying to I'm clear, mm -hmm. going to clarify for you no it wasn't the size of a battleship right definitely the size of a Harrier jet or maybe slightly larger oh it would be the size it would, it would be the size of uh, uh, the largest uh, flying anything you know except say for instance the uh, Hindenburg, but it, we're talking a very big object, right. and and there is illumination. Are you are you discerning any sort of uh, uh, curvature, texture, 
uh, as far as the edge? Is the front... How there did was no in? right angle, okay, except for the, the shape, of course. Okay, um, that's the so, sun. So it, it comes in, and you're seeing it coming coming in which way? Blunt, I'm, the two I'm signs? I'm seeing it over the, tree, over the treetops from the east. Okay, and how is it coming in? Is it point first? Is it blunt? Give point me an first. idea. Arrowhead first. Okay, so it's coming in first. Now, is that... You're looking at that point. Is that point sharp? Is it curved? Is it beveled? Give me some description of, of what you were seeing. If you, know, you could, if you can. I'm going to go back to the darkness again. Um, and and, and I, know, I know this is going to make people question a lot of things here. I, you know, when you're looking up in the sky and you're seeing these things so bright and so definitive, um, and as this thing approached us, the light that, 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 it, that it was casting off wasn't a bright light at all. It didn't illuminate everything around it by any means, okay? And, and the night, the darkness of the night still dominated the experience. So as we saw it approach, you could make the distinguishing remark of its overall shape, but the characteristics of the shape, you couldn't distinguish against the darkness of the night at all. Um, until it came right overhead, um, there was a quality of, of rounded edges and, 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 and streamlined nature to it. Um, now, did you see when, when you, at that point, again, you you were able to sense something, but you did not hear something. In other words, right. be it a, uh, a guttural tone, something you were feeling in your solar plexus, a, a well, electromagnetic something or whatever, right? That's that's why that's why I referenced low frequency. Okay. Um, I, you know, I've done a lot of uh, sound engineering, a lot of rock shows and stuff like that. And, and, you know, I've mixed sound. And, and so, you know, I've taken classes and, I, and I've read and I, and I know about different frequencies and the effects that they have. And the, the interesting thing about low frequency is that most of the times low frequencies are inaudible. Okay? Right. They're there them. and they have an effect, but, they're, but, but, they're, but you don't hear them. No, you feel them. Okay? You feel them. Correct. And, 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 and so that, and I'm going to stick to that. That sure, makes sense. Sure. sure. That yeah. makes all the uh, sense, and I can relate to that because I've had an experience similar to this. And, and you know, I, and I'm going to say this too. I mean, low frequencies have a, a, an extreme effect oh, on, 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 the, on, the, on the human condition mm -hmm. uh, in a lot of different regards. So, um, folks listening out here, I mean, um, you know, you, you think sounds um, are just audible. No, they're not. And, 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 an audible nature is not the only effect that they have on us. And, and, and I'll, I'll, you know, have you all go out there and, and read about these things if you're interested, because um, the only way to get a really good understanding of it is for you to discover it on your own, you know, to get some kind of baseline right. um, of what I'm talking about. I can describe it to, to the cows coming, but until you experience it or have a real fine understanding for yourself of what I'm talking about, um, you're you're not really going to grasp the full nature of it. No. Now, when you were, when you seen it coming over, were there any colors to it? Uh, you you had mentioned that it was darker. You felt it was darker than the sky, and you also it, it, mentioned it, there was some color. Red. Okay, and the where it, was the red located at? It was it was on the sides of it. Okay, it was not on the bottom. And how was it? Was it in panels? Was it uh, uh, molded in, blended in? Was it? Uh, Could was, not tell. Okay, but it was there was a discernible red uh, between the body of the craft and the light source itself. Okay, so there was no borders to that. This was a big object, a very big object. 
huge guy. Yeah, that's a huge ship, man. All right, thank you very much, Mark. When we return, we're going to be talking to a witness that has never come forward until now on the Tinley Park 2004 lights. When we return, you're listening to Threshold Radio. TheEdgeOnAir.com and Thresholds into Other Realms present Thresholds Radio, a weekly show dedicated to all things paranormal. Join your hosts Sam Moranto, John Stevenson, and Anthony Kopp Fridays from 10 to 11 p.m. for an expedition beyond your most unexplainable dreams. With new guests every week, Thresholds Radio will bend your views on reality. That's Friday nights 10 to 11 on TheEdgeOnAir.com. For more info on Thresholds Radio, visit UFO-info. You're listening to Threshold Radio. I'm Anthony K. With me is Sam Moranto and John Stevenson. Now, this next witness I had recorded at the Blue Island Library in Blue Island, Illinois, at a previous date. She came forward for the first time and actually talked to us uh, about the 2004 Tinley Park sightings. Now, she's a witness to this, and I had recorded the entire interview, so here it is. Uh, We're lucky enough to have Marie here. And Marie has never spoken to me, so I'm going to talk to her about this actual case. This is fresh. She comes in, never met her. She witnessed something from a different perspective. Do you, what night do you feel this was? Do you feel it was the same night? Oh, absolutely. It's the 21st? Absolutely. Okay, go right ahead and you can say absolutely. it. Absolutely. It was the night of the 21st. Um, I was going out to dinner with a friend, and I had pulled up into Mr. Benny's parking lot. Where is Mr. Benny's like at? Like 191st or something. Yeah, like and it's near what major inter- I'd or say major road? Lagrange. Like yeah, that it's area about a mile or a half a mile west of Lagrange. So I pull into Mr. Benny's parking lot. I'm driving. My friend's sitting right there, and I go to get out of my car, and I notice that everybody's just kind of at a standstill, and everybody's just kind of looking up. I'm like, okay. So I look up, and I'm like, oh my God. What am I seeing? It's like my mind cannot compute what my eyes are seeing. There's just that moment of, is this real? And then I got scared, and I thought, oh, my God, they're coming for me. So I tell my friend, oh, my God, they're coming for us. Don't get out of the car. Oh, my God. And he was so scared. It was funny. And I'm like, oh, my God, what is this? And we just sat there. There was no speaking, no nothing. I mean, everybody was just sitting there in amazement, just looking up. I felt like time had stood still. I remember the lights just being like nothing I'd ever seen before. At just this bright lights, and I don't know if they were different, if it was one big, because at certain times when you look at it, you would think, okay, maybe they are separate, but it always seemed to keep the same shape. It always would move together, and it was How just... How many lights were you seeing initially? Now I'll ask Three initially, okay. but I think there were like two more or something. It, just amazing. I mean, nothing I had ever seen, nothing had prepared me for this. I was like, I mean, I've always been fascinated, but that just blew my mind. Now, and when you look, okay, with arm's length and you're looking at these things, compared to a star, let's just to give an idea of a field of view, because mind you, this night was absolutely beautiful, a perfect, a perfect, beautiful, uh, beautiful day. Beautiful. So I thought nothing of everybody sitting out there until everybody was just sitting still. And I could see through the distance. Now I'm facing what I would think would be south. Okay. Because I'm in the parking lot and I'm yes. south. And I'm seeing something here and here. And it, it was just amazing. And then I thought I had seen something later. But it stayed for such a long time. 
And you say stayed, it stayed stationary? No, not all the time. I mean, there was movement, but it seemed like when it would move, it would go from one place to another, and it's almost as if it hadn't moved. It just kind of showed up there. And there were these lights, and I don't know how long it was, but I mean, we were just sitting mesmerized, just like, I can't believe this. Oh my gosh, you know, who do you tell? Who do you call? What do you do? Fear, not fear. Everyone's going to think I'm crazy. Are you seeing this too? And just looking off, and I remember behind Mr. Benny's, there's got to be like a field, and then there's houses there, and you could just see people in the backyards, just, oh my gosh. Nobody's saying everything. Everybody's freaking out. So then they go away, just gone. Just as soon as we had seen them, it was just gone. We went in, everybody in uh, Mr. Benny's, of course, is talking about it, who had seen it, and it was just amazing. I went home that night, you know, couldn't sleep, couldn't do anything. Oh, my gosh, I called my mom because I knew I could tell her this and she wouldn't think I was crazy and that she would still love me. And I'm like, Mom, oh, my God. And she was very good about it, but I was like, I've got to tell somebody because I don't, I mean, who do you tell, who do you call? You don't go to work and say, hey, guess what happened to me last night because, oh, my gosh. And, I mean, it was an amazing experience. I had never said anything since then because I didn't know who to say it to. I saw the program on TV and I was thrilled because I thought this kind of came and went and nobody ever cared about it because it was so much. I thought, how many, how could so many people see this and it not be spoken about? This is by far one of the best mass sightings in history. Oh, Marie, race day? Okay, okay, no problem. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, now, when you were there looking, just give an estimate of how many people in your field of view were out there, would you say? Even in the back, if you were able to get an eye. Rough, just an eye. A hundred. Easily a hundred. Now, mind you, in, in this story, they're talking about that a hundred or hundreds of people. No, we're talking thousands of people. Not hundreds. Thousands. People were stopped on the street looking at it. We had issues with traffic. There were cars stopping in the middle of the streets. This was a serious issue at nine, at the uh, you know the 911 centers. Uh, police departments were getting flooded with calls that night, and you'd say, "Well, how, that could be a pain in the neck." Well, yes, it could be because you also have to police your community, and uh, so we have a good rapport in that region with such things going on. They know who to call, and we get the calls at night. Uh, when these things do happen, instead of bothering them, they have them call us. We'll handle it. We'll take the calls. And they do a good job, by the way. The police did a great job. They called everybody's fears. There's nothing to worry about. It. I just just think, oh, who do you tell about this? Okay. But here, you, you're out there, you're looking, and you're seeing what, what type of colors are you seeing? Just the brightest color ever. Like LED is the best I could think about, but and it's that is not the most used. The most, by the way, the term LED type light is the was, most though, used it was term. Clear, in it was pure. It. it was just amazing. And I just remember thinking, it because I'm while this is all happening, I'm just keep rationalizing in my mind and out loud to my friend what it could be, what it could be, what it could be. And I remember just saying, I've never seen lights like this. I've never seen movement like this. How could it be so massive? Do you hear anything? And it was silent. Including people. And the size of these illuminations, the size of just the illumination, the light. Oh, yeah. Just, big? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because I don't know how far they were, but I mean, in the sky, I mean, you're looking at it and it's huge and you're seeing it. And I could see enough that it was just this bright and this weird color. 
I just I couldn't make it out and I just kept thinking okay I've not seen color like this I'm not hearing anything it's not moving correctly it just seems to hover and how could anything like that not make noise and everything's going through my mind you know 100 miles an hour just saying okay you know wake up you know whatever it is pinching myself and I hadn't been drinking at that point I did after <laughs> I did I was like oh my gosh but, yeah you know, absolutely because I was like oh my gosh but I mean it was just truly amazing and I was just so glad to be able to come here because I saw this last week and I thought okay finally just if there were other people that had seen it because I'm like amazing and I'd never spoken of it since then except to my friend who had witnessed it with me well Marie we're gonna talk to you some more if you don't mind yeah, if no Julie problem. gets your name then before you yeah, leave anybody nice. else who's had an experience um, now you had one. I had an experience driving from Oak Forest to Midlothian. I'm driving on Pulaski. I'm not sure of if it was that same month, but I rem it could have been close to that same year. It might have okay. been the same year. So as I'm driving um, from, um, like, I guess it would be south to, to north on Pulaski, I'm getting closer to Bremen High School. Um, so it's kind of dark as I'm still, you know, getting close to that. And I'm driving, I had the music loud in my car. <laughs> so here I see this beautiful light, you know, but th at that time it was, um, it was blue, um, red, and did I tell you yellow? I don't remember. So I just remember looking at these colors and I'm like, wow, what beautiful colors, you know, but I'm, I'm thinking it was an airplane. So as I'm driving, um, I realized that it was getting closer, and on my left-hand side, the trees are there, right? So as I'm looking at this light, I bring down the radio because I uh, noticed that it was falling. So I was like, oh my gosh, that airplane's gonna fall. So I bring down my, my window, and I'm listening, and I didn't hear anything. I was like, wow, I'm probably gonna see this in the news. Yes. And I didn't hear anything else after that. And you didn't hear anything about it? No, but bluish, I did see. The bluish and all, uh, red. Red. Yeah. And it was just beautiful. I was like, wow, this airplane looks. And I, for some reason, when I, as I'm looking at this, um, like coming towards me, I realized that, um, you know, I guess I didn't really pay attention to it in the beginning, but afterwards, it's like, oh my gosh, it's getting too close. This thing is going to fall. So, you know, afterwards, I didn't hear anything. But it, it like, like went behind the trees on that park. I don't remember the name of the park. That's right by Bremen. Around Bremen. Mm -hmm. Now this was this. There were other sightings prior to this, and there's a history of other sightings um, in the area. Uh, it just so happened on the 22nd, very next day, a gentleman up in uh, Wausau on Rib Mountain had the object directly over him. He called me up. You see, and he he called me up. I'm laying in bed one day, and he's seen the show, and he goes, are you the guy on television? Somehow he got my number at home. I don't know. But um, he called me, and he says, I was on Rib Mountain. I uh, went up a fire tower to see what these three lights were in the sky. And, in fact, I was so alarmed by it, I left my car door open, actually his truck door open. He climbs up there. He doesn't see anything other, other than these three illuminations. And he's getting a sensation through his whole body of tingly, electrical, very pinchy. And uh, gets up there and he finally realizes when he gets close enough 
uh, and he has to be relatively close to realize this is one solid craft. It's that well camouflaged. Uh, what he described was very interesting because another object came out of it in back of where the illumination was. There was a, a, a of equal distance, another area that was recessed, and an object came out that he described. We have footage of objects coming out of this other object on the 21st, and we also have a description of an object similar to that making the same sound and appearance as uh, two other people. It's very interesting when you cross-reference. If you can get closer on the date of what you, when you've seen that, mm -hmm. get Julie, have, make sure you have, Julie have your name, and we'll get back with you if we can find someone else that was in that same area. Okay. That day. A tenth of a percent to one percent of people who actually experience these things or see these things make reports. Ridicule and sarcasm is the number one reason. It is a very superb way uh, to keep censorship on this issue. Um, we have literally hundreds of thousands of government documents. We have radar data. We have um, four to five hundred people who want to come forward pertaining to the secrecy of this um, because it is above top secret and if you go to the National Press Club and look up disclosure, UFO disclosure, you'll see the National Press Club presentation of some very prestigious people, generals, um, air traffic controllers, um, astronomers, yes we have even astronauts. Um, in fact, in our group, we had one until I ticked him off about something. I don't know. But uh, uh, Edgar Mitchell, Bill, uh, William Cooper, who's deceased, uh, quite a few astronauts are coming forward. It takes time, but uh, when you got a paycheck on the line or a pension, there's a degree of concern. Um, also, many of these people have to sign secrecy oaths, and used to be 30 years on those secrecy oaths, but now it's, I don't know what it is. But the volume of people that see, we have some 70,000 reports come in a year across the, the globe. I'm sure it's higher than that. We're told 70,000. Um, now, mind you, most of the cases we get can be easily, well, we just had, uh, well, we get three to six a day yeah. just called in to us and emailed in addition to about another uh, 11 to 30 uh, that come in from the headquarters. Probably get... 30, 40 cases a month. I'm behind close to 200 cases right now. So we get a lot of cases come in. Many of them um, are just prosaic things, but then that say 5% to 10% that get very un become very unusual. And we're, we have no problem explaining the prosaic. And that's fine too, because there's some very interesting things in the prosaic. Uh, we love meteorites and we love astronomy and everything else. So all of this is interesting. The other thing is there is other phenomena that can appear to be uh, much like a UFO. Say, for instance, uh, piezoelectric discharges back with the earthquakes. When you have seismic activity taking place, you do get these electrical discharges sometimes. And they have been recorded to uh, last as long as 90 seconds, which is very interesting. Another thing is plasma balls of, of uh, known as ball lightning, a very interesting phenomenon. And um, all of that is of interest to me 
and it should be if you're going to be investigating this because you need to know what category to put this into. Now what's interesting is when we have the footage, you'll hear crickets and you'll have this thing right above you and you'll hear crickets. You'll hear distant uh, traffic a mile away. You'll hear uh, dogs panting across the street. Um, the other thing is, did you notice the animal activity with uh, canids, mainly the uh, barking, howling? Coyotes went nuts when this happened. Um, so there's usually an animal reaction with this too. And um, that is something to pay attention to. In fact, that's another category that we actually fill out forms for is animal reactions. The other things are sensations, other things you, like you can feel. Uh, are you feeling anything electrical? any static, um, are you experiencing any, any time loss, which is very important. Time loss, any uh, effects on uh, anything electronic, on automobiles. Uh, Dr. Rodiger's field of, he, he's done quite a bit of research on um, car phenomena, you know, car effects uh, from the phenomena where cars just stop, uh, they, have, um, they have damage, uh, et cetera. And I've worked on uh, two cases involving cars. And very interesting. The bottom line is the analysis comes down to that this object is obviously a object instead of multiple illuminations. If you were to look at a plane, in fact do it tonight, look at a plane in the sky in the night, you're not going to see the body of the plane, are you? Go out there, look at a plane in the sky. Look how well it camouflages just because it's, it's dark out. You're only going to see the illuminations. But you know what it is because you hear it and you're used to the motion, and you're used to what? The configuration, the navigational right, lights, the greens on what side? The, uh, remember that, port and starboard. Starboard is? Which is green. And port is left, which is red. Which is chartreuse? None. Which is yellow? Orange. Okay, none. Though you will get tinges of different coloration with atmospheric uh, variances. If you get more humidity, you could see more what? Yellow. You could also have fog, whatever, and, and pollution may give it a reddish tinge. So this wasn't the case that night. Okay, that was Sam Ronto at the Blue Island Library. Uh, speaking of presentation on the 2004 Tinley Park lights, we also had a couple witnesses in there that came forward for the first time ever on their witness of the Tinley Park 2004 sighting. So um, I hope you enjoyed that. We'll be right back. You're listening to Threshold Radio. TheEdgeOnAir.com and Thresholds into Other Realms present Thresholds Radio, a weekly show dedicated to all things paranormal. Join your hosts Sam Moranto, John Stevenson, and Anthony Kopp Fridays from 10 to 11 p.m. for an expedition beyond your most unexplainable dreams. With new guests every week, Thresholds Radio will bend your views on reality. That's Friday nights 10 to 11 on TheEdgeOnAir.com. For more info on Thresholds Radio, visit UFO-info. You're listening to Threshold Radio with me, Sam Ronto and John Stevenson. What's been going on, Sam? Well, I'll tell you what. We had more than our share of other realms. And the realms have been sick and 
putrid, but uh, yes. um, I think everybody's been down between Anthony getting teeth yanked out and uh, oh yeah, I heard you were sick. Yeah, I was sick last week. I got too. hit with creeping gambu. Something tried to kill my ass. I don't know, but uh, yeah, we've been down for we're on the road to recovery, folks. But um, a lot of strange things going on, and of course, we're always on top of UFOs, paranormal, and of course, Earth phenomena. How many earthquakes have we had, John? It's been insane. And Well, they disappear after we have them. <laughs> of course, well, they well, go from whatever <laughs> it is to knocked down by half. I, I was talking to this whatever. lady at the grocery store, and she was like just a normal woman, not a conspiracy theorist, not a, anything like that. She, she just, you know, as a normal mother, she's like, this year absolutely scared me. The weather absolutely scared me. She, she's like, and then I gave her our website, of course. And, and that scared her. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, you know, this weather is not going to get better. It's just going to keep getting stranger. And people got to get prepared for it, man. It'll be over soon. Yes. <laughs> 20, and, um, December 21st, 2012, right around the corner. You know. Well, you know, they're talking we about... We have Richard Dolan on the wagon now, so he no, yes, he, he believes is. in 2012 now. Yes, he jumped, jumped on the... We got wagon. him on tape saying that. Yes. And uh, as we are speaking right now, a major storm is is uh, on our threshold, is it not, John? We're right there, right now. To, so if you hear us... Watching the ride, radar. That's crazy, man. I know when we're in that dark, dark red, that's bad. It's one big X there now they put through it. It's like doomed. <laughs> but here we've had uh, more than our share of extremely bad earthquakes all the way into the Virginia area. And, oh, Julie just came back, got her hair cut. She looks great. Oh, beautiful, there you go. Julie. Good job. Birthday girl. <laughs> Happy birthday, Julie. Yeah. That's what I'm going to say for your birthday. birthday girl. Happy uh, birthday. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> It always cracks me up. Everybody thinks she's my daughter. 29 today, right? 29. Yeah. Not yet. Next week. That means I look like crap. <laughs> she looks great, and I look like crap. Uh, my birthday's hey. on the 19th. We're all birthday boys this yeah. uh, well, we, we make We make John officially. Uh, he got born twice. It was a long labor. What, are we all Virgos? Is, <laughs> is that what it is? I'm an Aquarius. Yeah. He's an... Hey, Sam, have you heard that the talk about... Uh, earthquake in vermont and uh what was it colorado or was the other one at well we had one in virginia that we had one down i mean virginia Louisiana. yeah and uh we had so many well, well they're saying that it, it was did you hear about that tunnel theory that it's actually an underground tunnel that meets the two the government made and nuclear bombs went off underneath there who knows there's always the possibility of that you know underground facilities we will eventually have uh Dr. Sauteron talking about his research and underground facilities as long as he's not in the pen. Okay, we'll be right back with Michael Clean right after this quick commercial break. TheEdgeOnAir.com and Thresholds into Other Realms present Thresholds Radio, a weekly show dedicated to all things paranormal. Join your hosts Sam Moranto, John Stevenson, and Anthony Kopp Fridays from 10 to 11 p.m. for an expedition beyond your most unexplainable dreams. With new guests every week, Thresholds Radio will bend your views on reality. That's Friday nights 10 to 11 on TheEdgeOnAir.com. For more info on Thresholds Radio, visit UFO-info. Welcome back to Thresholds into Other Realms, and with us now is Michael Clean. 
Hey, Mike, hey guys, I have a special guest for you. Uh, her name is Cassidy O'Connor, and she is the author of a new book, Diaries of the Dark Side, which I'm publishing oh, great. through Black Oak Media. Wow. Cassidy, welcome yes. aboard. Thank you for having me. Well, tell us about your book. Well, um, this book is a true story of a case that I handled for about about four or five years. I did about about 10 years of paranormal investigating and I did a lot of psychic work for different teams and different sites and a bit ago I was asked to co-author a book with somebody that I used to work with and we did very well with it that was Haunted Buffalo put out by History Press and then I started picking up uh, writing for the Examiner once in a great while under Roger Marsh I also write for Intrepid Magazine, and I had planned on writing more books, and this one kind of just hit me in the face and decided it would be good to put out now. Yeah, Roger is a good friend of ours and uh, excellent writer. It's glad to see that you tied up with somebody there and also with Michael. Yeah, well, it's kind of a, a funny story how we, we got into this, uh, into working together because Cassidy had uh, sent me a message on Facebook about self-publishing, that she wanted to self-publish this book. And I had just started to consider uh, publishing other authors. As you know, I, I've published some of my own books in the past. So I said, uh, we should talk because I, I want to expand my my network a little bit. And so, uh, so things just sort of took off from there. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Now, where are you from? What area? I live in western New York right now. I was born and raised here. I've kind of moved around about to southern New York and things like that for quite a while, but I'm, I'm back close to where I grew up right now. Close to Rochester at all? Yes, actually about 45 miles from Rochester. Hmm. It's a very, very rural area. There are more cows than people, but it's quiet that, enough. That's so. actually a good thing, really. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind it. <laughs> I lived in uh, Jamestown for some time, and I loved it there. That was that was wonderful. The history in that place is fantastic. I can imagine. So I make it back. So you get to have all those really nice snowstorms too. We have. <laughs> we live in the flatlands of this whole area, and in any given morning, you will walk out to the most beautiful six-foot snowdrift yeah. in the middle of the drive, <laughs> covering complete car, you know, and we have nothing but fields behind us. Fields and fields for miles, and uh, yes, we have the most brilliant snowdrifts. So you have your pantry stocked up for winter, I'm assuming. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> In the liquor cabinet. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, I just need to know, do you wear the snowsuit and mucklucks or mucklucks and uh, some other variation? Well, you know, <clears throat> me being the fashion princess that I am, I usually walk around in like the knee-high waders all the time, whether it be <laughs> summer or winter. That's a, that's a stylish it. look. I love it. <laughs> I've never been known for, for my for my attributes in dress, but uh, you never know what you're going to run into. <laughs> Always be prepared. Oh, there, there you go. Roger Marsh. Roger Marsh is a very dear, probably one of my closest friends on this planet. I talk to him daily, and he has always made comments that I show up to these sites and I have like the tank top, the jeans, and then the knee-high boots, and they call me the para ranger. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the ghosts don't care make what fun you of look me like. Because I'm digging around in the dirt, I, I you know. So the snowsuit, everything kind of out here, is is 
perfect and you fit right in with everybody else. Is your picture on the book? It is, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, is it like that? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, it's a very high quality uh, picture. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I, no, everything. A farmer. Everything about uh, the book is very beautiful. I, I just got the, uh, the proof um, yesterday and it's very nicely designed um, not to toot my own horn or anything but you are <laughs> yeah. I have to say that I was that with working with Mike he has done everything I asked and I this story is a very serious one to me and it is a hundred percent true story and it's it's very involved with many avenues every aspect that I wanted to cover Mike has covered down to the cover down to how I wanted it to be represented how I wanted it to look and he has done an amazing job Mike's of doing that. He's a great that. guy. He pays us to say that. <laughs> well, he no, he is a perfectionist, and uh, I, I admire that. His website, everything he does is is very, very, uh, actually very clean. <laughs> and um, uh, how apropos, you know. Um, and I like that. It's it's very representative of uh, uh, an articulate mind, and yes, uh, that he is, you know. Um, and when I pump out a book in three weeks and don't sleep for three weeks and, and pump it out and send it over, his editing skills are fantastic. <laughs> I'm going to have to remember that. Yeah, that was, that was about, I spent about two and a half days where all I did was edit that book. Oh, really? So it is, uh, it is close to perfection. Yes. But I'm you know, it's the story it. that really makes it compelling. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about the background of the story and uh, how you got involved with the case? Okay. I uh, <clears throat> I did paranormal investigation, like I said, for about 10 years, and I was one of those people that knew it all. I went everywhere. I've done everything. You know, you know everything. And I worked with, I got interviewed by a man who had uh, began writing a book about an area that I had covered a great deal of research on. And he had contacted me, I think through MySpace, and said, you know, can we have an interview with you? Uh, I said, sure, no problem, and I brought him some of my files and gave him some good ideas. And after that, I just, through a series of events, became very good friends with this person. And they opened up to me about a case, and they said, you know, we could use a, a new fresh set of eyes. And I, oh, of course, I can do this. And uh, that case was by far the scariest thing I've ever seen, and it held on for almost five years. And it ended up teaching me the very difference between the supernatural and evil. And that's why the book is coming out, because I need other people to realize this before more people die, before things happen to people. I've seen this firsthand. I've seen this family firsthand. And I, I didn't write this for a year. When the case was finished, I cut most of my communications off with them because I wasn't needed. And I had become insanely close with this family, but I felt like that was the best thing that needed to be done. And it was a year later that I got thinking of this family, and I, I thought about them very hard, and I picked up the phone and I called them. And, you know, to hear happy things on the other end of the phone and, you know, giggles and, and updates of my family here. And it was after that point that I opened the computer and just started writing. I did not stop writing for three weeks. I didn't sleep. I didn't do anything. I just kept writing. And I have this to offer. That sounds really good. It was really amazing to me 
reading the book just how much uh, misfortune was tied in with this one this one property. Um, do you know, could you tell us a little bit about some of the things that happened to the family and to the people around them? Yes. Well, um, the family lost seven members Oof. in about a year. Um, they year. had the child that this problem was centered around institutionalized, medicated, different hospitals, different specialists, different tests, different court appearances, police, um, many people that, that communicated with this child or worked for the medical field would become sick, die, break legs, hands. Um, I myself became very ill. Uh, everybody in this case became very sick. And this what was the, uh, the focal point again? The, 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 uh, is it the property that is the commonality here? Well, you know, I had never experienced something like this, and I basically had to go through the school, hard, school of hard knocks and educate myself uh, very quickly on something. I had no idea what I was dealing with. Mm -hmm. And what I started to realize was this property actually sat on a very, like I say in the book, conveniently forgotten historic spot. Okay, let's, let's right there at that point. Can you give us a general idea? Uh, obviously, you don't want to reveal the exact location, book, but the general idea of what we're talking about. Well, uh, when George Washington won, he basically went through and the different Native American tribes on the East Coast that fought against him, he basically said, wipe them out. Hmm. And there were certain locations where this was done. Oh, okay. And this location was one of them. And in what state? New York. Okay, just to clarify, Northwest, just general vicinities. Western New York. Okay. But um, for some reason, and there was also an old farmhouse that used to sit on this property that I had that I had picked up. I do a lot of psychic work, a lot of medium work, things like that. And I had picked up this little house, but it wasn't there. And um, coming to find out that even in the 1920s and 1930s, people were still already doing the same pattern. So I had to do the research on, you know, historic locations and, and holding energy, things like that. Very, very different things I had to really look into. And, uh, and it seemed to be a pattern that just kept going and going and going. It has since stopped. It's completely stopped now, the activity there? Yes. Well, that's a good thing. It took me five years. Boy, that book sounds really interesting. Now, yeah. is it because it stopped because it ran out of victims? Or did it stop because of a sequence coming to... I mean, give me an idea of, of your synopsis as far as that goes. This certain th thing or things stopped because we forced it to. Um, we went in one point... Many things had been done. This, this poor family was almost a circus act and had became very, very vulnerable to many of the paranormal groups in Western New York, many of the paranormal people, many of them that did not have proper knowledge to even well, be near the location, including myself. More, some of those groups are more dangerous than the actual ghosts or demons. You have no idea. Yeah, yeah actually, <laughs> I do. <laughs> We're all very familiar with that here in Illinois. Okay, okay, well, I'm very familiar in New York. Um, and... This family had seen probably not exaggerating 100 people within two years. Hmm. And uh, there was one group that just kept interchanging people and then just kept 
bringing more people and things were getting worse. I was actually booted from this family. I had no idea their address or anything. I was never given any contact information and I ended up finding them with an unlisted number and unlisted address a year later. Hmm. So I had gone back in um, and me and a group of, of people had decided that we needed to hit the land. So we literally separated this individual from the land and worked very hard on the land uh, and then went back in and, and worked on, on this individual a little bit here and there. And it was fine, everything was fine. Um, another family member went down after that. And then it seemed to switch from family members back and forth visually. They, I had gotten many panicked phone calls and uh, it kept jumping around until finally we got it. The other individual was institutionalized and we got it in the one and we worked from, I think I got a phone call at work at about eight o'clock at night. I couldn't get out until 10. I called my partner. He lived an hour away the opposite way. He met me, by the way, he's 63. <laughs> he's, he's hardcore. <laughs> and we worked on this individual until probably three to four in the morning. We just kept going and going and going and, and we got it. And since then, the whole family has been uh, very good. It has, you know, it, it, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of, these people lived about a couple, about two hours away from my house. Okay. This was a lot of driving. You must have did this good a, then, because a lot of times those stories don't end very happy. Well, I mean, you can have a happy ending with this and you can have a bad ending. I mean, they lost seven family members. Well, yeah, Anybody, as far as I mean, this, you know, the society isn't still evil or possessed or whatever you want to call it. You know, she called me a little bit ago and it was, it was curious to me. Um, some of the children in the home have like people that come in for home care or therapy. And one of the women, when she was done doing her job and said, well, now that I don't work for you anymore, you know, I do psychic work and I've picked up something and we'd love to bring a paranormal team in here. Well, she called me and I said, do not, do not bring anybody in there. Do not invite, hi, do you want to talk to us? <laughs> I said, because we have worked so hard to close that property up. I said, if you let anybody else come in and say, would you talk to us? I said, that's opening that door yeah, right well, again. And the family is very aware of that situation. Mm -hmm. That's actually inviting it back too. That's really Absolutely. dangerous. When they had, I, I remember at one point in the book, you talked about people were like lined up outside their house trying to to get a glimpse of it and things when um, a certain gentleman was going around uh, telling everyone where the house was located. Oh, how nice. The, the, the man that I originally was called into the case with uh, was a self-proclaimed demonologist. Um, I hate that word. I will tell everybody I hate that word. I'm very opinionative when it comes to that word. Um, and basically, I think that the man realized he was up against something he had no idea. He had already got enough audio evidence, video evidence, uh, photograph evidence that he didn't need anything from them anymore. He couldn't fix this. He didn't know how. So he left them. He, he left them. And he never talked to the family again. It took me a year to find them. And uh, one day, I'm, I don't remember how I had come across it, but I had come across a radio show or a podcast just like one of these that he was doing. And he was giving age, name, and location of a minor, um, telling this story as he was like their savior, like he saved this family. And, huh. and I got really mad. <laughs> And I, I started to look up his, you know, um, 
his doings and his lectures and noticing that he was doing this all over the place, getting paid very well to do it. When I finally got a hold of them, I was told by the family that people were, were parked out front. They were getting, you know, phone calls. Um, and then this poor individual that this whole thing kind of centered around was told in school about it by a, stool, a schoolmate. Oh, how nice. And he refused to go to school again. And therefore, I had to involve the police. The, actually, the FBI got into it. It was very sticky. Um, we had to get these things taken down. This child was, was a child. This, we did, I worked very hard with the, <clears throat> the, the county sheriff's department and, and whatnot, and they were, I mean, they were amazing. With a subject like this, it's very, very hard to buffer this. Did you have um, to end up with an exorcism or something like that? Or <clears throat> would you rather not say, I know you got a book, too, you don't have to say anything? It's, it's not. An exorcism involves the church, which I also work with. Uh, if somebody were to take the, something like this on, they need the church or they need someone of knowledge. And this is real knowledge, not, hey, I know how to do this. Right. <laughs> uh, and uh, our methods were very different. Um, they worked very well. We did have a lot of people that were of the church with us. There were many things that had we handled with many different people, and we did get it. I'm not going to say what we did. Okay, that's fine. We we did get it. It took us, it took us a while, but we we finally cut it off with the last person, and she was about, I uh, I would give her about 24 hours before she would have killed herself. So how did the phenomena represent itself? You're we're mentioning things that this, that, <clears throat> or the other, but how did it represent itself? Not in the mel. Well, you already mentioned the melodies as far as. As far as what victims who feel fell victim to something, but w what was represented, what was seen, heard, or uh, what was done? The property itself has always been like that creepy property that was abandoned. It was full of junk. Uh, <laughs> nobody, nobody ever bought it, and it's in a beautiful, like prime location, and nobody ever bought it. And the neighbors always said, "Oh, this place is haunted. We see people walking around all the time," hmm. and they had. They had many pictures. I mean, this family had some young, you know, like mid-20s daughters, and they were taking pictures, and they were seeing soldiers in period dress. I mean, fantastic photos. I mm, Fantastic. Cool. Um, and, uh, and they would see these things, and they would hear these knockings or bangings or booms outside when they, when they burnt the house down. It actually exploded. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and then it started to center... And it, it basically, um, you know, and people see these movies in Hollywood, and this is what makes me so angry, is, you know, the head's turning around and peeing green soup on the floor. <laughs> that is not what happens. I guarantee you. It's a very slow process of revealing itself. Um, it can take days, weeks, months, years to fully do it. And it, it came through with uh, physical changes in people, um, audio changes, uh, Vocabulary, dialect, uh -huh. stigmata did happen um, it, to the point where CPS was called on this family because they thought that this this child was getting burned. Oh, okay. Um, over and over again. This, by the way, this young man has no no scars and no appearance of any of this that was on him for five years. Completely gone. I was just told that yesterday um, on the phone call with family. Did this child exhibit some extraordinary strength? Yes, uh, there's actually a police report that I read that says uh, this child has the strength of over three men. This child, um, at that point, could pick up objects. 
he knew what was going to happen beforehand. He would giggle about it. Um, he would pick up objects. He would. There was one point in time where this child ripped through. I think it was nine state troopers and three school teachers. Um, this guy, this this guy, uh, was also double guarded in hospitals. Uh, this this was this was a twelve year old kid. I've heard these. I mean, Lorraine Warren told me once where a guy was possessed, and he uh, actually lifted their car up. They had a flat tire when they got there, and the guy lifted the car up for him to change the flat. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> things you really oh, don't expect to happen. Lorraine's a sweetheart. Um, exceptional strength, exceptional uh, everything. I mean, brilliant um, to the point where you knew it wasn't wasn't him. Uh, the language, the way the face was carried, the voice, um, words, things like that. There's a couple times in the book that I actually put in word for word interv an interview that I had with him. Mm-hmm. And a audio recording that uh, had taken place because I had finally taught the the grandmother of the family to to I said you know when when he starts acting like things. this I want you to record it but I don't want him to know and uh, there's actually one point in the book that that I put in there that is actually a whole recording and he goes back and forth in and out in and out in and out and you can tell in the writing that that he's one and then he's the other does he do the atypical Latin too? You know, we uh, we picked up a lot of Latin in the backgrounds of mm -hmm. a lot of the recordings. Uh, you'll either hear the person say that or you hear little, I don't know, munchkin-sounding things, you know, coming from around, funny voices. It was like whispers. If, you, if, they were, if they were, like, going around the room, getting closer to the recorder and far away and right. closer. And there was one point on this recording where, as he was speaking, there was something telling him what to say before it came out of his mouth. It was a whisper right before, and it varied in languages. I mean, there was, there was several languages involved in this, not just Latin. Well, they got know. that reverse Latin too. I don't know if he did that one, but that's a common one too on a real possession. Yes, this, and you know, when it comes to these possessions, people think these people are tied to the bed and they're screaming and they're gonna kill you, and you know, it's very slow. That, and I, I never knew this, you know, Hollywood, and I go, oh man, this is, this is scary yeah. stuff. But it's very, very, very slow. Uh, the progression that one takes and yeah. there's a lot of signs that show it but you it's, get that it's, uh, the, another the smirk too the atypical smile and smirk that they tend to show when they're possessed there was a point in this book that i wrote about and i you know I, as i was writing it i stepped back for a second and i just i looked at the floor and i stopped and i remembered and you know a simple smile can be the scariest Isn't, thing you've ever seen i was seen just going to say the same thing that is so <laughs> creepy <laughs> he there was one point where I, I had walked in the house to say something, and we were doing some work out back. And this child, this 300-pound child, mind you, was in a chair, and he, he, he tilted his head, and he looked at me. And I was talking to his, his grandmother, and I said, you know, we'll just be out back, dear. And he lifted from that chair and was an inch from my face. He never moved a muscle. He was just there. Mm. And I stepped back, and he held his breath, and he just looks at me and says, perfect. And he just stared. He was staring me right in the eyes. And I remember he was a, he was a good one for headbutting people. That's creepy. That is creepy. <laughs> <laughs> it was. And at that point in time, that individual could have killed me. I, to this day, I don't know why he didn't. He never touched me. And, and, and it seemed this thing, even when I was going in with different teams of people, diverted around me. Hmm. Like, 
he he always hit somebody else. And it was like a game that he watched me and examined me very closely, but he stayed away from me. Um, I don't know if I wasn't worth his time or I was not the weakest link, but he really gave me special attention, but stayed away from me. And when I walked away from him after he did that, you know, I stepped away from his face. I wanted my teeth in my mouth. Um, I was walking through the breezeway and he's just standing there. Like, like watching me walk and smiling at me. And I remember watching this and I'm looking at, I'm thinking it right now. And it's, that was a simple smile can be the scariest thing you've ever seen. In a case like that, that, that smile, that smirk, that evil look, whatever you want to call it is just, it just gives you chills. It's a very empty look. Like it would be that of a plastic, like a plastic doll, like, you know, with the empty eyes and that fake smile. Mm. But yet inside you're thinking evil things. It's like they're transmitting something right through that look because you you can feel that. I don't know how you'd put it. Just it comes over you. And this is the first time I've ever been vocal. I'm very, very quiet with what I do. Um, I have neighbors, family, friends, people that I socialize with regularly that have no idea what I do. And that's the way you want to keep it. <laughs> this was the first, and I, and, I, and I argued, and I, I really, really had a problem with myself during writing this saying, here we go, you know, yeah. now I put a tag on my back as, you know, one of these people. And not, not necessarily, though, because the people that read this stuff are the people that tend to believe in it more, so it's not going to be quite as bad as you think. Well, well, I'm, I'm going to do my best to try to get it out to uh, nationally. Oh, I, th- I forgot nationally. you were here, Mike. This story's so interesting. <laughs> well, no, you know the. <laughs> well, you it, know what was important was is this family repeatedly asked me to tell this story. Yeah. And I and I fought it for a year, and I don't know if I needed closure with it myself, because um, several things happened to me in my life during this case. I terrible things, and uh, and it's all part of it. And and you know once you. I guess the whole reasoning behind this book, I don't care what they want to call me. I don't care what avenue they want to take to argue with me. I'll simply say to read it again. Mm-hmm. Because I need people to understand that there are ghosts out there. And you can go and play with them. And you can go into your scary buildings with your digital <laughs> recorders and talk to them. That's fine and dandy. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is something very different. This, is, this will kill you. Mm-hmm. This will kill your family, your children. This will... This And once you... Once you get involved with 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 this, with with that side, whatever your religious beliefs are, good and evil are there, you know. Mm-hmm. And once you get involved with that, it never leaves you. You have that for the rest of your life. Right. And well, that's now, why I'm putting this out. Now I, I was wondering specifically whether you thought that uh that it, this entity, whatever it was, was a singular spirit or former person who had died on the property or do you think it was like a collective force of all the suffering that had occurred there like the Borg (laughs) (laughs) I think this was a collective thing I think that this this area because of what had happened there you see it a lot with asylums I've done a lot of work for asylums Um, it's almost like it opens up a door for it and you know, when you have these places of extreme anguish mm-hmm. or, you know, this this extreme energy that never goes away, happy energy, you don't see a lot of that. You see all the bad stuff, just like on the news. They only show you the bad stuff. And for some reason, 
when I have come in contact with these wonderful little things, it's usually on a spot that many things have happened, or it, yeah. it like a, like a yellow brick road to these things. It opens it up because this was demonic. This was demonic, no matter I. And I had never known what I was even dealing with. I thought, oh, nasty ghosts. Oh, I can do this. It's not the same thing. So and now, do you, do you think that the suffering that occurred on the property perhaps attracted some force or some demonic entity that wasn't there originally, that maybe it was drawn to that place? Absolutely. So you feel it was, it, the energy was drawn to it, not, say, for instance, a ley line or, an, or a, a, a geological phenomena or earth phenomena or dimensional phenomena, but that the ongoing um, misfortunes and, and atrocities opened up some sort of portal or some sort of something? You know, it's really funny that you asked me that because I've really done a lot of work into the ley lines um, and, and where they cross and what, you know, I've, I've noticed a lot of different sites on certain points and I've really paid attention to that. Um, this specific place is, this, this was caused by, I mean, think about it. It's the ultimate hate mm -hmm. to, to kill people because of who they are, what they are. Oh, genocide, no yeah. What race, religion. Well, the politics of, of prejudice still exists today, and it was just obviously more apparent when it's at your doorsteps, uh, right in your own community during that period of time. I mean, this was something that, that went on throughout the uh, uh, 17th, and, 17th and 18th century here in the United States uh, to the Native Americans. The You know, it was horrible. It was, yes. And at this point, when all of this historic thing things were happening, there was no town there. There was no village. There was nothing. There was nothing there except for this specific place. And uh, and it, it and I I remember gasping when I was I was <laughs> I went up to this historical society. I'm doing all this work, and I remember laying out the maps and gasping. It was in the exact spot. Hmm. And mind you, their neighbors have divorced. Their neighbors. Are all have erratical children? Um, have have divorced? Have have come and gone? Come and gone? Neighbors right around this house. Um, Just a negative energy or a bad karma right in that area. I mean, I mean, the grandfather of the family went to dig a garden and had a heart attack. Hmm. And then you know, before that, he went to dig the foundation of the house, had a heart attack. Um, it's it's just all you just gotta wonder, and it's 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 mind-boggling. Well, you, you said before that there was a, a previous house that had been at that location. Do you know what happened to the owners of that house? It was a small farmhouse. Um, the only thing that I could find, as I was told a rumor of a 10-year-old that, that committed suicide and hung himself, and uh, it, I couldn't find anything on this. And I looked and looked, and the family looked and looked for me because I really got them moving on, on historical research. And it was not until... Uh, a local farmer that was very old was interviewed and he remembered it. Mm -hmm. He said, yes, there was a 10-year-old that accidentally hung himself in that home. Oh, and the, and the weird thing was is all the suicides, all the deaths, all had to deal with hanging. Hmm. And That's the right way the Native Americans were disposed of were hanging. 
There you go, Michael. And there, that's Mike's thing. That's a kind of a private joke. Mike knows what we mean. Oh. <laughs> one of Mike's top ten list of one week. Everybody involved hanging. Yeah, there was. Uh, <laughs> I forgot what it was. Was it the top ten most haunted schools? There was always some kind of suicide. Oh yeah, the janitor and the janitor and hanging was always hand in hand. They're everywhere. This book sounds really good too, and I'm not a big book person, but I mean, this I want to read. I kept it small. I kept it. I kept it to thirty-six thousand words. I could have went on and on, but I, the reason I was going to originally self-publish was um, there is some mild swearing in the book. There is very strong opinions of mine in the book, and I and I didn't dream that anybody would ever touch this. No, it's your book. You can say whatever you want to. <laughs> I know, and uh, you know. Uh, well, you know, the, it's by playing it safe that the publishing industry is going down the tubes. So now, do you still go on uh, research investigations and stuff like that? I don't do paranormal investigations anymore. I I used to be uh, had. She enabled, labeled me the head psychic for the team for Rolling Hills Asylum, and I made her change it to spiritualist because I hate that word. Um, and I and I, I kind of worked with a team for them for a while and did a lot of renovations on the asylum. And those people are still very close to me. I do not belong to the team anymore. Um, I'm just not a team person. I, most of the time I, I get uh, approached by people or I get phone calls. I don't know how my name is out there, how my number is out there. But they call me, and I do a lot of uh, house clearings. Uh, yesterday, in fact, I had one that I had done, oh, about a month ago. And there were kids running all over the house, and I was very distracted. And I kept telling her, get these people out of the house so I can do this, and I will be quickly. I will be quick with it. And, you know, and, and, and he was gone for two weeks, and then he came back. So I had to go back in yesterday with a girlfriend of mine, Trish Ryan, and... I brought the Frank's box out. I have a Frank's box. I love them. I love Frank Sumption. I have a box, and I use it, and everybody hates me for it, but I love them. I think they're <laughs> fantastic. And I really have a lot of – Frank Sumption's a good friend of mine. And I got the box out and uh, was going back and forth, and I had written some things down. I had, I had sat down for a while and did some automatic writing and got the name, got his age, got everything about him. And finally had to push him out again, and it was very difficult. Uh, we got him. And I, I most of the time now only deal with, I get phone calls from the different paranormal teams around New York, Pennsylvania, Ohio. If they run into something, they don't know what it is. I don't know why these people call me. They call me. I have traveled all the way down, almost Illinois, Mike, um, Maryland, Pennsylvania, like I said, everywhere, uh, to to just clear these houses out and basically when when something is spit out of a shack hack or 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 a box or whatever or they're getting things that are scaring them these teams will call me um i've worked with several around buffalo but i basically stay to myself i hibernate as much as possible and uh they call me when they need me well one of the um one of the things that really interested me in the book was when you talked about the television show that uh, this other group that you were working with tried to put together. And it was fascinating. If you could tell us a little bit about that, I thought it was interesting that they had been rejected for being overweight. Yes. <laughs> uh, they, they did. No, I, you know, did you hear that, Sam? 
The media disgusts me because, you know, you've got all these shows out there. I'm not going to say anything. Oh, yeah, you got to be no, that. we know that about look. that. You have to have that <laughs> GQ, GQ look. you got to have that Anthony Topp look. Yeah. yeah. Of Big, these, huge biceps. Mm -hmm. well, the thing is, you got though, it. It's, Fancy you know, pants. They called me, and they really wanted me to do this. I am not one to be on the television. Yeah. Um, I will give a lecture for a breast cancer benefit any day of the week. Don't put me on the television unless you want me to do an, a documentary or something that's going to teach somebody something useful. I don't like these shows on TV. I don't either. I'm with you on I, that 100%. I, I have had many arguments, and know most of the people that are on TV. I know them personally. Uh, I really don't like them. Uh, they know it. Um, it's entertainment. It's not real paranormal. It is entertainment, but the thing is, is I wish they would understand their exposure and respect it because people take this stuff for gospel. And yeah. then I get calls because these people go into these haunted houses or haunted locations and get in really big trouble. And, you know, when they wanted me to do this show, I'm like, I'm not doing this. I, I no way. And uh, finally they said, come on, you know, you can do this. And I thought, well, you know, maybe it would be uplifting to have a show out there that taught people. Mm -hmm. It wasn't about ratings. I don't, I didn't care. I can tell you the only, one of the only people, one of the only people on TV that is actually very, very good at what he does and very serious and will not bend evidence is Barry Fitzgerald. Hmm. Um, he's out of Ireland. Uh, and I've never watched him on TV. I've never. But this man is a smart man and he is constantly looking up new ways to do things and, and new experiments. And I, I really have a lot of respect for him. That's about it. I'll have to look well, him up. Well, one of the... Uh... Well, the people, you know, when they wanted me to do this show, I said, fine, I finally caved. And we went to New York City and we were in this talent agency, you know, right on Times Square. And, and I sat there and looked at them you now. And I, and I basically said, if you want a Ghostbuster, you can kiss my ass. Excuse my <laughs> language, but that's exactly what I said to them. And, and that's basically all I said. I spoke up a few times and um, they called me about two weeks later and said, hey. He yeah, we these go these Ghostbusters show. shows are terrible, man. They they're just terrible. These all these Ghostbuster shows that are out there, Ghost. Uh, I mean, there's a couple good ones. I've seen a couple good ones, but there are some terrible ones out there. Well, the the thing that annoys me the most about it is that people will see these TV shows and they're like, "Oh, I want to go out and do that," and they yeah, buy some yeah. some equipment, and then I got to deal with it because. They think that suddenly they're the expert, but they've never read a book well, that's about where these it or groups anything. Come from. That's why I laugh about that. They come up with some flashy name. They get some T-shirts and uh, thank you. They buy all this yeah. equipment and <laughs> wham, you're an instant ghost hunter. I mean, if I go well, out I and buy a doctor's just, that's gown, why I, you know these, on my website so and everything, hollow. I really try to promote yeah. reading books and you know looking up some of this information because. They never do that. They just watch a show and no. they think that's all the information they uh, need to know about the paranormal. On my paranormal. website, Mike, you know, the Bachelor's Grove one, there's always paranormal groups signing up there. And then they start posting pictures of orbs. I mean, Yay. <laughs> you know. Yeah, orbs I, are the I, worst. I, I don't have enough time to go into that. but <laughs> no, I get a lot of orb pictures sent to my email. What do you think this is? Dust. I think, well, I, I, mean, I, I got to say, some orbs are real. I mean, I'm saying maybe 1%. Yes. But yeah. most of them are explained. I even got scientific uh, explanations on my site explaining what they are and how they happen, and people choose to completely ignore that. I know. I orbs are the worst thing, you know. And and they do watch these things, and you got to be good looking. Yeah. You got to well, do that on TV. They didn't want these people 
because their weight was unsatisfactory. To oh, them. T- television I, uh, is the worst. I, I, I'm the producer for the radio show here, and I've been on radio for been doing radio for about five, six years with Next Media, ABC, and all that, and. I can never do TV just because of how annoying it is. I, the the whole process is just annoying. I never even owned a television until I had one. It played DVDs, things like that. Um, I never even had cable or anything like that until about four months ago when my son, I really wanted to get my son like the, the educational programs. That's all wow. we got. The I don't Discovery watch Discovery Channel, Science Channel, those are great. Like a lot of these conferences and a lot of the conventions that I speak at, um, I literally have to look at a flyer to know who people are, and they laugh at me. Yeah. Um, when Ghost Hunters International came for the first time, I'm trying to look at a flyer and looking. I'm like, okay, who are these people so I know who they are? Well, that's all I am. Like, I don't know any of them because I don't watch it. I'll have people say, yeah, I do don't, you know, you know blah, blah, blah. I'm like, nope, have no idea. But the people, they don't understand these people come to these conferences and they meet all these TV stars. You know what? You want to learn something? Go meet Frank Sumption. Go meet Gary Gelka. Yeah. Go meet, you know, Bill Murphy, who's a scientist. Go meet. Go meet these people. Gary Galka invented the Melmeter and the RTEVP. Yeah, you want to meet people. these people and learn how this stuff is done? Meet the people that designed the products. Yeah, the problem is everybody's just so damn lazy nowadays. All right, well, Cassidy O'Connor, everybody, and her book, Diaries of the Dark Side. And where can this be uh, picked up It's at? currently available on Nook and Kindle, and it'll soon be available on Amazon. It's actually available for pre-order right now on Barnes & Noble, too, I saw. All right, well, thank you very much for joining us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Thresholds into Other Realms. TheEdgeOnAir.com and Thresholds into Other Realms present Thresholds Radio, a weekly show dedicated to all things paranormal. Join your hosts Sam Moranto, John Stevenson, and Anthony Kopp Fridays from 10 to 11 p.m. for an expedition beyond your most unexplainable dreams. With new guests every week, Thresholds Radio will bend your views on reality. That's Friday nights 10 to 11 on TheEdgeOnAir.com. For more info on Thresholds Radio, visit UFO-info. Okay, well, we hope you enjoyed the show. We'll be back next week. Also, if you can't make Sunday nights at 7.30 here at ufo-info.com, you can go to theedgeonair.com Friday nights at 10 o'clock, or we're also on the UFO Paranormal Network, which is broadcasted worldwide and uh, nationally as well. So check us out, ufo-info.com or uh, theedgeonair.com. See you next week.